Welcome to Friday at the McGregor Podcast. We're glad you're with us, and we hope you've been blessed by this this walk through the Passion Week of Christ. We started on Monday, and we've looked at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and now we come to Friday. And on the on the church calendar, I suppose this has always been called Good Friday. And I get it. The day that Jesus Christ paid for my sin on the cross was certainly, for me, a good day. For him, not so much. I want us to pick up from where we left off on Thursday that give or take midnight, Judas Iscariot arrives at the uh, Garden of Gethsemane with the Jewish temple police to arrest Jesus and take him into custody. For some time, the Jewish leaders have been plotting to, to rid themselves of Jesus. It's really an insane response. What do I mean? They knew his teaching. They knew his miraculous ability that underscored repeatedly his claims to be God the Son. And rather than responding sanely to unquestioned events, most recently before this Passion Week, the resurrection of Lazarus, they don't, they don't doubt that it happened. They know that it happened. And they know that Lazarus had been dead for several days and Jesus called him back from the dead. But instead of responding sanely, they respond insanely. They don't have an intellectual problem with what Jesus has said and what Jesus is capable of. They have a heart problem that they're not interested in surrendering their status quo to follow Jesus. By the way, that's still true. Unbelief can pretend to have all manner of insurmountable intellectual obstacles to following Christ. But there's not an intellectual question that hasn't been answered. There's not a fact that hasn't stood. The issue with unbelief is not a head issue. It's a heart issue. As we, as we move forward for the moment of arrest, I want to recommend a resource to you. Um, when we look at particularly this week, although it's true through the whole ministry of Jesus, the, the complexities, if you want to develop a study that looks at the whole ministry of Jesus chronologically and doesn't miss anything, drawing from all four Gospels, there's a, there's a tool called uh, a harmony of the Gospels. And there have been several written over the years. I want to I wanna recommend to you, if you are sort of Bible study uh, nerd, you want to build your Bible study library, I want to recommend to you a resource. The copyright date on the first edition of this is almost exactly 100 years ago. It was first published in, you bet, 1922. Now, right away, some of you stopped listening. But stay with me. The, uh, the, the preparer of this harmony was a seminary professor in our denomination, a Southern Baptist seminary professor by the name of A.T. Robertson. And Robertson is one of the greatest New Testament minds the 20th century ever, ever produced. Robertson was brilliant. And his harmony of the Gospels is an indispensable resource. If you're going to teach, as I am now, on a, on a chronology of a detailed something that's accounted for in all the Gospels and you want help making all the pieces fit together, Robertson is the best trail guide there is. A.T. Robertson's Harmony of the Gospel.
absolute treasure. Jesus is arrested in the garden. Uh, all of the disciples scatter. Some of them scatter not far, like Peter. Some of them scatter so far we have no idea where they went. But they, um, they bug out. They, they don't hang except for John. Immediately upon his arrest, he's taken to the, to the house of Annas. I call Annas the, the pseudo-high priest. Some years before, Annas had actually occupied the role of high priest. And the role of high priest was not supposed to be hereditary. But Annas was a political power player and had managed, after he finished being high priest, the next three or four were either his sons or his sons-in-law. So Annas sort of set up a, a high priest dynasty. And he remained, even after he left the office, he remained the power behind the throne for the high priest. And so Annas' home is the place where they first take Jesus when he's arrested. And Annas um, has some things to say to Jesus, etc. But, but soon they need to get Jesus in a more uh, consequential setting. So he is moved to the house of Caiaphas. Caiaphas at this time is the official high priest. He's the son-in-law of Annas. Caiaphas hastily convenes the Jewish council, pulls them together, and while they are meeting and they are mocking Jesus and they are, this is the time where they first introduce the uh, crown of thorns, they take his clothing and replace it with the, with the seamless robe, they begin the process of physical torture. While all of this is going on, we have Peter's three denials in the courtyard. Peter, who was so... Uh, assertive at the supper just hours earlier, now denies even knowing Jesus at all. Just after dawn, the Jewish council condemns Jesus and expresses their desire that he be sentenced to death. They didn't have the authority under Roman rule to actually carry out a formal execution but they could express to the Roman government their desire that someone be killed. And that's what they do with Jesus. They then shuffle him off. Now, remember, he's already been with, with Annas the high priest. He's been in the house of Caiaphas. Now he is shuffled off to Governor Pilate. Governor Pilate is a, is a fascinating character. I know often in, in sort of Christian drama, and passion plays at churches and uh, movies that have touched on these scenes. Pilate is often portrayed as sort of a very conscious villain. He got up that day to do evil and terrible things. And that's just not accurate with how Scripture describes Pilate. Pilate is the, the Roman Empire's governor over the province of Judea. But you know, Caiaphas, I mean, Pilate doesn't live in Jerusalem. Oh, no. He lives in a mansion over on the coast at Caesarea. And he's only even in Jerusalem because the time around the Passover is so volatile, the Roman government basically insists that he move his operation up into the city for the Passover time in case things get out of hand. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there even in the city of Jerusalem. He really doesn't want to be in the province of Judea. It's not a great assignment. It's a low-status province of the Roman Empire, and the governor of Judea is... is um, Probably somebody who's well enough positioned that he gets a governorship, but somewhere back there is ticked Caesar off. So he gets to be a governor, but he gets to be a governor of a province that Rome didn't view particularly favorably. 
Pilate, in short, is a bored bureaucrat. And they haul him out of bed <laughs> and they tell him, look, we need you to just uh, take care of sentencing this guy to death and then we'll leave you alone. Well, Pilate isn't going to do that flippantly. And in the course of a conversation, Pilate hears that he, uh, he's a, a Jewish person from the province of Herod. So Pilate says, oh, I can hand this whole thing off. And he hands Jesus off to Herod Antipas, uh, one of several Herods we meet in the New Testament. Herod being a dynastic title, not a name. This particular Herod also kind of teases and mocks Jesus for a bit, but then sends him right back to Pilate. What I want you to see here is Jesus is being shuffled all around the city of Jerusalem. He's, he's being physically tortured, disregarded, uh, all in preparation for history's greatest crime. Finally, in John chapter 18, the Jewish leadership hit upon a way to blackmail Pilate. Jesus's uh, claims to be king had always been in the context of his kingdom. Well, the Jewish leaders took those statements about the kingdom, distorted them, and said to Pilate, you do know that he's an insurrectionist. You do know that he claims to be a king. And then they hit the buzz phrase. In the Roman Empire, the uh, mark of your status was that you were such a great Roman citizen, you were said to be a friend of Caesar. It was a formal term. It was sort of a, a, a again, a code phrase, a buzz phrase around the Roman Empire. You wanted to be a friend of Caesar. Well, in John 18, 12, the Jewish leaders say to Pilate, if you don't deal with this false king's claims, you are no friend of Caesar. Well, that did it. That hit the switch with Pilate. He's not going to risk that. And so, in contempt, in boredom, having himself said several times, I don't see any problem with Jesus, having sought to release the criminal Barabbas instead of Jesus, all those things collapse when he is threatened in his status as a Roman Empire insider. And at that point, blackmailed into it, he pronounces the sentence of death on Jesus. Jesus arrives at Calvary about nine in the morning and is on the cross from about nine in the morning until finally around three in the afternoon, he, in the depths of his humanity, exerts his deity and pronounces himself finished and willingly completes laying down his life. He who did not know sin became sin for us on Good Friday. Hey, by now, I hope you've sort of established uh, a pattern and have come to, to be aware of our McGregor podcast ministry. We hope you'll write a review as you experience these podcasts. We hope you'll share them with your friends. And one of the ways we can make these podcasts more available to more people is if you'll write a view, review wherever you're, you're uh, seeing or hearing this podcast. And also, please check us out at mcgregorpodcast.com to learn more about our podcast ministry. 
God bless you. And uh, we'll come back tomorrow and talk just a little bit about Saturday.